Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. You foolish Christians, look at you. Did someone like cast a spell on you? Let me ask you something. Simple question. Did you receive the Spirit of God by working, by trying, by doing, or did you receive the Spirit of God by hearing and then believing? Are you so foolish that what you began in the Spirit, are you going to try to perfect this in the flesh? Really? Let me just ask this question. Okay. Did you receive the Spirit of God? Did God work miracles in your church and amongst you guys? Did he do that because you were working, trying, doing? Or was it because you heard and then you believed? Boom. Good morning to you. That's kind of a shocking way to start a chapter, don't you think? That's, I think, the feeling that you're supposed to have is what Paul is trying to get us to, this jolt. And we're in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. We're working our way through this great book. And, and I want you to hear that uh, there's a great deal of agitation, but there's also a considerable amount of affection in Paul. But, but it's, it's, it's like he's, if you've ever seen uh, boxers or, or cage fighters, when sometimes they do this, when the bell rings, they just go racing across the, the ring and just start throwing punches. The other guy's just looking up going, what? That's how he's doing this chapter. We're going to look at nine verses today, or one through nine, rather, and, and I want you to see, uh, maybe here's a, a modern translation, how affectionate and confrontational. He, this is a great translation. You dear idiots. You dear, dear idiots. The secret of spiritual power is right under your noses. The very way that you became Christians is the way you're going to go on with incredible freedom. And look at you. You're suffering for nothing. Oh, you dear idiots. Stand in him, in him alone, gloriously complete. This is is an amazing day. You want to change your life? This is the day we find out how the Spirit of God works in our life. This is how we figure out how so many people, since the history of Christendom, okay, so many people take truths that are found in the Bible, and then they run wild, crazy, in bad places. They become, today we're going to find out how not to be an idiot, how not to be a foolish Galatian, how not to be a foolish Christian. The purpose of Galatians, and we're trying to do this as a church, we're trying to get the grace of God, the power of the gospel, not just in salvation, but in every aspect of our personality and our temperament, our life history, right, even in our relationships, how we relate to other people. And we can do that. And today, it, it opens up for us. Big day. It opens up huge. I hope, I hope lights go on so that you can see the way God's Spirit works. The first thing you need to know to help appreciate this is that God, has a, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And this is his plan. He's going to make you his perfect child. Now, there's two parts to that. He's going to make you his perfect child. Part one, he's going to make you his child. And part two, He's going to make you perfect. He's going to make you his perfect child. Sometimes the Bible will say complete. Sometimes it'll say mature. But essentially, he's going to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. And he's committed to this. Oh, he's going to do this. And and we'll do whatever it takes. But here's the key. Here's the key to understanding how this all works together, how he will make you a perfect child. 
The same way he makes you a child is the same way he'll make you perfect. Okay? He's not going to change methodology. The same way that God makes you a child is the same way he's going to make you a perfect child. Keep that in mind. So how does he make us a child? Okay, a little bit of review, but you'll need to know this because it's the same. Okay? We've had this giant prop up here because it is by grace that we're saved through faith. And I want you to always remember, we need to always remember that grace means gift. Okay? He makes us his child by giving us the gift of what Jesus did. Right? It's a payment here. And he, Jesus signs the check, payment in full for the debt that we owed the Father. He did that on the cross for us. He, that's the gift. And when we put our faith in that gift, okay, it's, all, it's nothing but faith in nothing but the gift in Christ alone. So the, the formula, the definition of Christianity has been and always will be this. Faith alone, in grace alone, by Christ alone. Let's, let's just all say that together. Faith alone, in grace alone, by Christ alone. So it is trusting that this gift from Christ, it's the trust, that's the faith, in the gift, in the grace, from Jesus Christ, the the, the person giving us this gift is Jesus Christ, that is what saves us, it's what makes us his child. It's faith alone, in Christ alone, right? by his grace alone. And and we, we don't add to this gift, if we add to the gift, then if we try to pay for the gift, then it's not a gift anymore, right? And, and, and this gift, what, this, what happens to us in this gift, right, is it causes us to be his child because at, this, at that moment we become justified. And justified is a legal term that's used throughout the New Testament. A lot of times in the Older Testament they'll use the word righteousness. But justified is what makes us his child. We can become his child because we're justified. And justification comes as a result of this gift, our belief and trust in this gift from Jesus Christ alone. What many people do is they believe this. This is our icon for the law or doing good. It's, this, it's, a, it's a stationary bicycle. And you know why they call it a stationary bicycle? Because it doesn't move. It doesn't get you anywhere. It's kind of ridiculous. People don't do this for very long for a lot of good reasons. It doesn't go anywhere. And, and just so that you understand, Paul's going to say this three times in the theme verse of this book, Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, and it says this, I know that a person is not justified by the works of this law, right, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We too, the Jews, right, have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith, as by our trust in that, in Christ, and not by the works of the law. Why? Because the works of the law, no one can be justified. You can't get this from here. It doesn't work. It can't work. It never could work. Why, is, why are we justified or made a child? How are we made a child? By faith alone, in his gift alone, from Jesus Christ alone. Why? It's, there's a part of it that it's just physics. It's the only thing that can change us. We have to have, it is grace transforms our soul. Right? It is a gift from God that our spirit is renewed. Something from the outside of creation has to come inside of us and change us from the inside out. You can't make yourself better. You can't make yourself his child. You have to just believe, trust, 
that the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, oh, it, it was adequate. It was full payment to justify you and to make you his child. Boom. You're his child. That's how we, we become his child, by placing our trust in this gift. And that's how you continue to become his perfect child. How do we, how do we, rec- how do we become idiots? How do we become foolish Christians? We, we bring in legalism to it. And, and, and legalism is the idea that we have to work for it. There's like two strains of legalism. The first strain of legalism is, is we're talking about becoming his child. Remember, it's two parts, becoming his child, becoming his perfect child. Okay. Part one of legalism says, uh, I, I don't think this is going to do everything. And so I'm going to go over here and earn it. And I'm going to do certain things and get my life together, and then, and then I'll receive this gift. Well, it's not a gift anymore. And besides, you'll never get your life cleaned up. That's part one of legalism. Part two of legalism is when a person says, thank you, Jesus, for this gift of becoming your child. And now I'm going to, I'm going to become a perfect child of yours. I'll be there in a minute. And th- that in the Bible is called sanctification, and it's the idea of becoming a perfect child. And so what Paul is saying, what you began in the Spirit, are you going to now perfect with rules and regulations and laws? That's not how it works. It's never worked that way. It can't work that way. Let me make sure that we understand the definition of legalism. Legalism is not the presence of the law. The law is good. Psalm 119 is the largest chapter in Psalms, and it just goes on and on and on about how beautiful the law is and how safe it keeps us and how beautiful it exposes us to the nature of God. God gave us the law. He's not a legalist. It's not the imposition of a law on someone. There are, there still, you still are do's and don'ts. And so by you know, obeying the law, is, it's still a good thing because God calls us to do that, and he's not a legalist. So if it's not the law, it's not imposing the law on us or on someone else. What is legal? Legalism is about attitude. It's a false hope. It's putting weight on the law or, or the doing. It's putting hope in the commitment to things, to doing things. Oftentimes, it's taking a good thing and making it, I mean, something God gave us a lot of times, a good thing, and it makes it a thing that we put trust in. And we're not supposed to put trust in anything but grace. Only the gift of God. Why? Because only grace transforms. It's the only thing that has the power to do it. Only God's mercy in our life can make us perfect. It, um, it, it's ridiculous to think otherwise. It's always been that way. It always will be that way because we're so broken. How do you know if you're getting involved in legalism? How do you know you've taken a good thing and, and you've kind of gone off the rails a little bit and changed your focus? Usually you've, you have an overcommitment to time or you're throwing money at this, whatever it might be. I'll give you some examples in just a few minutes. But, and, then you, and then you have enthusiasm that's you're getting your hopes up. And Paul would say, don't get your hopes up because that can't change you. It never could. You can't do anything from the outside to, to make your inside change. You have to change from the inside out, and that's a miracle. Another uh, uh, synonym for this gift is miracle. God does miracles in our lives. To make us his child, that's miracle. To make us a perfect child, a bunch of miracles. He loves how we talk 
about his miracles in our life. He resents when we talk about what we're doing because we're not doing anything that really causes change. Okay? Only grace transforms. We just sang, right? Grace, your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Now, with all of that in mind, look, look how Paul comes at the Galatians because of their errors. Are you so foolish, Galatians? Who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul was saying, look, when I'm walking around amongst you, you know, as a, as a former rabbi, when I was, I was walking around as like Christ crucified, Jesus, he, I didn't come giving you a lesson on what Jesus told you to do. I gave you a message on what Jesus has done. And, and look, as a former uh, <laughs> stationary cyclist and the person who used to have a store that sold these things, Paul would be saying, I was crucified in your very midst. Did I walk around trusting in this law anymore? No. The law doesn't change you. It never could change you. It never had the potential of changing you. So then he goes on and he asks, just basic from their own personal experience, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by working of the law from your exercise by, or by hearing and then trusting? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now picking up this box and bringing it over there? Are you perfecting in the flesh? Did you suffer so many things? If you, was it even in vain? Right. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit or works miracles among you, did he, did he do this because of the works of the law? Or because of hearing and faith. It's, right, it's rhetorical. It was because of faith. Because you heard what was true about what Christ had done. And then what happened? You remember the time? Like he would, he would lean into us and say, do you remember the feeling that you had when you heard that you were absolutely, completely accepted by God because you've been justified, paid in full? Do you remember that? Remember the Spirit of God coming upon you and you, you felt lighter you felt released. You felt intimacy with God. That was God's spirit confirming in you. Did you get that? By setting up all those rules that you never, you never fulfilled? I mean, isn't that the point of the law? Is to tell you what you're doing wrong? Did you get that spirit through this or through this gift? Right, it was through the gift. And then he goes, he goes you know what? Even the miracles that took place, not just the spirit, but the miracles that were taking place in your church, when people were healed and when, when people's lives were changed so radically, did that happen because they were trying harder? No. That happened because a gift of grace. You heard about what Christ had done, and then you believed in it, and then the miracles happened. Miracles happened more prevalently in the New Testament because there was this message getting out, and, he, and God was trying to confirm it. So he'd be able to say today, you remember how you had those miracles? How did you get them? Not through that but through this gift. It's the way it's always been. It has always been this way. The father of faith, the father of faith is Abraham, and he was justified, made righteous by a gift. Look, look what it says in verse 6. So he goes on, he goes, look, not only in your life, but all the way back to the beginning, even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that those who, therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith, not of works, are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's you and me, non-Jews, by faith alone, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you 
So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Abraham defines what a believer is. Let me just recount the story briefly. God comes to him, and and when he's 75 years old, they have no children. and, And God says, I promise you that you will have an heir and through this, and you, will, and you will be a blessing to everyone in the world, not just your tribe. And at that moment, Genesis chapter 12, Abraham believed. He heard and believed and trusted in that promise. And at that moment, it was accredited to him, full accreditation of what's righteousness. We're using the word justified. How did it happen? By working? No. By trying? No. The moment he believed. Now, just to exaggerate the point, he doesn't go and get you know, pregnant right away. He's 75. Ten years later, chapter 15 of Genesis, how's it going, Abraham? Good. Uh, how's that promise? I'm still believing in that promise. That's okay. Good. He's 99 years old. 24 years later, and Abraham still doesn't have a child, and God promises it a third time. The whole world will be blessed by your heir. I will give you an heir, and the heir will be a miracle baby. You see, he, he wanted to drag this out because everyone would always remember this, right? He knew that this would happen someday, that we'd be talking about what, what a believer is in church today. And so God, in his foreknowledge, said, this is the de- definition of a follower of God, a person that believes in what he was promised by God. Real faith. I mean, you know, give your life for this faith. Because no one will ever say about Abraham and his wife, Sarah, well, you know, it was just a matter of time. Really? A matter of time? Even from 75 to 99? At what point do you say, the only way this couple's going to have a baby is if God gives it to them? And he did. He specializes in miracles because he gets all the credit for miracles. And Abraham is defining faith by saying, I believe in miracles. Only God can change me. It's a gift. It comes from outside of creation. It enters my soul on the inside and then changes me from the inside out. That's what real faith is. Let's review. Let's make sure we get this. Look what it says. It is by grace alone that you become a child of God. It is by a gift alone that you become a perfect child of God. The same way you become a child of God is the same way you become a perfect child of God. His grace is enough. All these other things, these good things, again, I said the law is good. It's it's your hope. It's putting your hope in it. And it's putting, it's putting too much weight in that. It's talking about the thing instead of God. The, all, these, all these things that people do are just tools. And we find ourselves consumed with the tools and, and not the carpenter. Like, let me put it this way. Um, uh, a, a hammer drives a nail in. No, it doesn't. A hammer does not drive a nail, right? A hammer is a tool that a carpenter uses to drive a nail. I've seen carpenters drive nails with with wrenches, with cordless drills, with rocks. They'll use anything to drive a nail. If you focus on the tool, you're a legalist. If you focus on the carpenter, you get it. Let me show you how this works sometimes. Here's how you can take this box, okay, and when it comes to justification, you believe that you're justified by faith, and then you take it to sanctification. Here's how this happens. Good thing, good thing. Bible study, Bible memory, Bible seminars, you're doing this because you're believing that the Bible study and the Bible memory will transform your life. It won't. 
it can't. It's a hammer. It is the primary tool God uses to change people, but it's just a tool. And when you get overexcited about, oh, this study or that study, or, or you're com- like compelled like with too much guilt to memorize more, or you're pushing this on other people, it means you're putting hope and trust in that. <laughs> just let's, Scripture memory can't change your life. Scripture knowledge can't. I love that stuff. Don't make it into something more. Did you know, let's just remember, that all of the people leading the chant, crucify him, crucify him, had memorized most of the Older Testament and were scholars. It doesn't change your soul. It can't. So what you began in the Spirit, are you now perfecting with all these Bible studies? Don't be foolish, Galatians. Sometimes we're well-meaning towards other people, especially in parenting. We take this and we can say, oh, yes, my little child, and I'm going to make sure he does everything so he can become perfect in God's sight. And, and we, get, we get overzealous about what we hope for. And so a lot of times we're choosing um, education based on what we think will change his life. And education won't change a child's soul. It can't. And so some people put their hope in private schooling or they put it in homeschooling. No one has ever put faith in public schooling, but, <laughs> but you, you can hear it in a young family's life when they're just going, oh, we, we can't wait, we can't get Billy in this school, and this just school is so great, and all the cool kids are going to this school, and you need to go to this school, and we're going to sacrifice so we can go, the kids will go to this school. Friends, it can't change a soul. You're putting way too, if Paul were here, he'd say you're getting your hopes up way too high. And you'll know when you're disappointed later because it didn't, it didn't, didn't have that potential. You know, <laughs> the, what's called, I mean, I love this curriculum. Don't, don't misunderstand me. The classic Christ, classical Christian education that's being promoted today in a lot of private schools, that's the exact same, almost the exact same curriculum that many of the Nazi Germany generals had. The highest ranking officers had a classical Lutheran education. It didn't change their lives because it couldn't. It never, ha- it never had the potential of doing that. So are you beginning in the spirit? Are you now perfecting in some kind of parenting trick? Be careful. It might be a wrench that God uses to drive nails, but it's God doing the driving. I, I, I've, I've seen um, people do this uh, with uh, mission trips, and they go and they get their world rock. Trust me, I've had that experience too. And they come back and they say, I got to get back there. I want to do this. I want to have that same experience again. And you should have that same experience as well. Again, time, money, enthusiasm. And and they keep going back for that uh, that another buzz. It's just a tool. That's all it is. It's just a tool. Quit, get, get your eyes off the tool and get it back on the carpenter, the gift. Uh, mission trips, they, I've had two that have absolutely been used by God to alter you know, and convict me of great things, uh, you know, being selfish and ungrateful. And I've also been on about 15 others where yeah, it was just really hard and the food was bad. Um, but, but I, you know, you don't put hope in it. You don't take the box over here and go, I'm going to go on a mission trip and everybody else should too. You don't put your hope there. Where's your hope go? In grace alone, through your faith in that gift alone. Through Christ alone. You, you're so bent in so many different ways, no activity is going to make you better. 
It will take a miracle to get you right. So listen, Christian, you know, fads, they come and they go, right? The new speaker, the new seminar, the new whatever. And, that, and that's been going on for so long that Paul wrote one church and kind of slapped them a little bit because they were drifting towards that because he was getting a bunch of groupies. And so he said, wait, 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 stop, everyone. Listen, I just plant. This other guy coming through, he, he's just going to water. God causes the growth because it is through grace that he transforms. It is God's mercy that we see growth. It's not in our techniques or the things that we do. Don't put any hope there. The way I begin with you is the way I will continue with you. I have an ambition for you, and it's this. You will be my perfect child. The way I make you my child is by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone. The way I will make you my perfect child is the same way I made you my child. By grace, through faith in that grace, that gift, in the gifts from Jesus Christ. See how we can, it's just, it's a slight deviation that leads us To God, just wondering what happened. Did somebody, did somebody put a spell or a hex on us? Have you, been, have you been putting your faith in something or someone else or some, some manner of work to become a better Christian? That's legalism in, in the area of what's called sanctification. And that's why Paul brings us this message, and it's so invigorating because it's so freeing. It's not up to us. These, these, these tools, Bible studies are a great tool, these other things, right? Mission trips, schools, whatever, education. These things expose us and lay our hearts out if we allow it for God's mercy, God's gift, his spirit to touch us and to make that well. Look, look, look here's, here's how you can do this. And, and what we're going to do is we're just going to take last week's application on how to become a child of God because it's the same method, let's look at how we could use that to become a perfect child of God. First thing you do, what does it say in chapter 2, verse 19? For through the law, I died the law, so that I might become alive to God. The first thing we do is we say, I'm not putting faith in the stuff I'm doing anymore. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of the exhaustion. I'm tired of the competitiveness. I'm tired of the way I judge other people. I'm putting that thing to death. That's stupid. I look like an idiot doing it, but put faith in anything but God. That's the first thing you do. The next thing you do is you, what does he say? He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You're not consumed with your own thing, your, your issues, your, your history, your, your work that needs to be, you know, the, the things that God needs to work on your life. You, you talk about those things. You pray about those things. But what are you focusing on? Those things are dead. You've been crucified with Christ. That soul is gone. You have a new name now. And so the way you live now, the life I live in the body, the life I live in this flesh, right? I live by faith, right? In this gift, the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself up for me. And so, it's, see, that's what you are focusing on, and that's where your faith is. That's where you're putting your trust. That's where you're, you're putting your bet down. I'm putting my bet down that I'm going to spend my time enamored, compulsively addicted to this fact that the king of the universe took off his gown and left his ring and his shoes on the throne in heaven, disguised himself as a man, loved me so much 
that he delivered himself up, even death to death on a cross. And I'm going to quit talking and thinking so much about things like envy and bitterness and vanity and all those things, and I'm just going to be mesmerized by this and how I can grow deeper in this understanding. I'm going to let God use these tools. I'm not going to put any faith in these tools, but I'm going to let him use these tools of Bible study, mission trips, educations, all these sorts of things. The next seminar, I'm going to say, God, please open up my soul. I've become vulnerable to your will. Now, I'm hoping and trusting and have faith that your spirit will touch that part of my life so that I am all I care about is telling people about the story of your miraculous intervention and how you made me well. You see? Abraham's running around telling people, God gave me this baby. God gave me this baby. Oh, really? You think it was me? God gave me. I got to tell you a story. It takes 25 years to tell you. And that's what we do. We say, God, use these things so that we can tell a great story about how your gift changed my soul. Grace transforms. Nothing else can. It never could. My hope today is that you would see that the power of salvation is the power of sanctification. The power of justification, the thing that made you justified, is the same exact power, the gospel, that will make you perfect. God has a plan for your life. That you be his perfect child. He makes you his child through faith. Grace from Christ. He makes you his perfect child from grace through faith by Jesus. Let's, let's talk to God, okay, about this. And let's ask God. To, we might have to confess some things, okay? So we'll start with a confession. And then let's ask God to open up our souls to see what would happen if we stopped working through the law, you die to this stupid law, and you let grace in there. You let a miracle visitation from God's Holy Spirit, let, let that touch you. And let's just see what happens. We'll tell stories about it. Christ alone can rescue us. Lord Jesus, first of all, I'd like to confess that... Um, it's just so, I, I, think it's in, I think it's in my pride. I just want to do something. I want to get some partial credit for this. And so I take your gift of salvation, and I, and I get on this silly stationary bike, and I say, look, look at all that I'm doing to become a better Christian. And God, I am, first of all, sorry that I do that and promote that and inflict it upon my children and my, my mate, my friends. And it's just, it's, besides it being stupid, and idiotic, it, um, it takes away from your great stories, the glory that you could have if we just talked about your gifts to us. And so, Lord, forgive me for doing that. And Lord, I'd ask that you would allow me to be so strong and vulnerable that I would open up my soul to you in some kind of um, area of my personality or my temperament or my, my life that I've been trying to work on to make well, I'd ask that you would touch me there with your spirit and that gift would transform me and I will tell the world about a miracle that happened in me. You will receive all the credit in my soul and in through my words. Lord, show us, show us the power of your gospel in making us perfect. 
that we might better understand it and we might promote it, that we wouldn't be foolish Galatians, we wouldn't be idiots. Lord, make us wise saints. We pray this with great expectations and hopes of your answering our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.